What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky, creepy, kooky movie. Um, today, we're bringing, we're bringing someone back to life. The resurrection is here. style. Yeah. <laughs> the, resur- <laughs> the resurrection has begun. <laughs> Uh, he has risen, but maybe not the he who you yeah. think we're talking about today. <laughs> not the he you think, and not the risen in the way you would have hoped. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> this isn't. This wasn't a good rise. This wasn't a successful rise. Someone who should have never been brought back. Mm-hmm. We, of course, are talking about Gage Creed mm-hmm. from. A pet cemetery. Pet cemetery, also known as the movie that makes me question if I know how to spell cemetery every mm-hmm. time I look it up. So here's the thing: I I always remember it's with the S, mm-hmm. but I always forget the first A. I always read it S E M E Terry, and then I always have to cross that out and fix it. So I'm no better than <laughs> the children who <laughs> who created this. <laughs> like it with the s i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. when i was younger this movie kind of made me f- believe that that's the accurate spelling right because i didn't clock even though in the movie rachel says says it's misspelled yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's misspelled but that's what it that's what it means or whatever i will say i am also reading pet cemetery i've been reading it for a while <laughs> i keep coming back to it mm-hmm. um but i am not super duper far into it and I think I actually just passed the point in the book where Pascal goes up to, it starts to come to him in his dreams. Mm-hmm. I think that is actually where I'm at in the book. So Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to uh, compare and contrast. Also, uh, I really got to talk about Pascal because man had me, had me feeling lots of feels throughout the movie, as he Ooh. always does. Um, and, like well, steamy? No, no, not steamy, like, (laughs) (laughs) like disturbed, like perplexed, uh, not good, not good feelings. Gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) Well, then in that case. We'll elaborate on that later. In that case, let's hop into it, because now you got me, now you got me wondering. All right, sounds good. Let's hop into it then. Homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today we're talking about Pet Cemetery from 1989. This movie was directed by Mary Lambert with a screenplay based on the novel by Stephen King, starring Dale Midkiff as Lewis Creed, Denise Crosby as Rachel Creed, Fred Gwynn as Judd, Miko Hughes as Gage, and Blaze Bertle as Ellen. The Creed family is moving into their new home in one of the most dangerous places in the United States, Maine. 
The family's new home is located across the street from their neighbor Judd, a sweet but eccentric old man. Behind the house, there is a path that leads to the pet cemetery, a resting place for all of the animals killed by passing truckers on the busy street near their home. Beyond that lies an ancient burial ground rumored to have the power to raise the dead. And when a tragic accident takes a member of the Creed family, Lewis is willing to do whatever it takes to make his family whole again. Insert irresponsible truck drivers, irresponsible pet sitters, and the irresponsible neighbor who is responsible for it all here. Our film concludes with Lewis throwing caution to the wind and invoking the powers of the pet cemetery. But is he ready for the consequences of his actions? Also, someone please get this family a baby leash. Roll credits. Not a baby leash. This it is one of the matter. few instances where I am very supportive of the baby leash. This family needed one, and it they needed one desperately. It wouldn't have mattered. They would have <laughs> some, something would have happened. He would have slipped on a banana peel, and the baby leash would have flew out of his hand, and Gage would have been off. <laughs> the reckless abandon with which this family just lets Gage just run off into the sunset is kind of astonishing. Here's the thing: it happens once. Okay. Mistakes. You know, you just move there. You don't know. You don't know that there's a whole truck parade that comes through every hour on the hour. It's, you know, you're learning. You're getting used to these things. Twice. Now twice. <laughs> <laughs> twice seems that's that was one time too many. You you had learned your lesson and you didn't actually learn. It, it was the turning of the back to the small the child for me pivot. that truly uh, had me taken aback. The full 180 pivot. Not only that, not only did this man do an about face, you have three people sitting at a table all looking directly <laughs> at the direction that gauges. <laughs> not, not a single one. All of them have to get their eyes checked. How is it Judd? <laughs> Old man Judd the is the one that the table. the baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a it, damn shame. It's a disaster. Yes, guy. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. But we have to, we got, we do have to say that Lewis did turn his back yeah. on his, on the child. We do have to Most say that. definitely turned his back on his child. Not once, but twice. But twice. And, and both things can be true. It can be a tragic event. And he could, and he did turn his back on his child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny enough, my, actually, my first note is child services, question mark. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's so, you know, what's funny is your first note is almost the opposite of my first note. Because my first note was, look at this little sitcom family. Because they <laughs> get out of the car. Oh, they we got get, two different views on yeah, family, Eric. You were ready to call CPS. I was ready to book them for a pilot. Because <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. Like, they get out of the car, and 
he's like, oh, wow. And then the daughter runs up to him and is laughing and giggling. She immediately hops onto a tire swing that has presumably been left behind from the last family. Therefore, <laughs> she has no idea <laughs> if it's okay. None of them do, but the parents say, sure. Sure, Ellie. Have fun yeah. on the tire swing. Can't and can't then... can't fault her too much because as a child, I would do the same fucking thing. If I saw a tire swing just at my new house, I wouldn't think about the semantics or the behind the scenes of how right. it got there. No, I would just hop I would, on the tire swing. I wouldn't think about it either. I'd be like, "Wow, my parents love me. They already put a tire swing out for me." But I'm just saying, neither Lewis or Rachel gives a fuck that she has hopped legs first into this tire <laughs> swing and is swinging towards the heavens mm. and then yeah and then they're you know rachel and lewis are being all lovey-dovey and then there's this cheery music that comes in and then they go get their very adorable <laughs> toddler son out of the back and it's it's just all very whatever happened to predictability the milkman the paper boy I, mm-hmm. like, I i'm getting the sitcom vibes i can't i i can't help it the first beginning is very a stark difference to where we end up <laughs> in this movie <laughs> yeah i mean you're not wrong and i i, I agree i think it does start kind of sitcom but it very quickly goes to dark comedy the moment gage starts wandering towards this mm-hmm. uh clearly dangerous road i mean Granted, the family is a little preoccupied being sitcom-y to notice the, like, three trucks that drive by at 100 miles per hour behind them. (laughs) 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 These trucks are screaming down the highway. (laughs) That's what happens in this part of Maine. Yep. That is the <laughs> the business of this area of Maine, I guess, is trucking and hauling through there. And so, yeah, basically they're moving to Maine because Lewis got a job. And so they're moving from Chicago to Maine. So it's not weird that they are unfamiliar with because in Chicago, I don't know, you're from Chicago. I'm about to, I don't know why I was about to speak like I'm the expert, but I assume (laughs) that trucks aren't consistently flying through and this at the rate that they probably would in the country. Because the thing about that is, there are no police there to check your speed. You're on a road that doesn't get a lot of traffic. So it's not weird that these trucks would be blazing through there super fast because mm-hmm. they got a place to go and nobody's going to check them. So it's not weird that they are <laughs> not expecting it. But, but Even though these are like trucks carrying like tankers of gasoline, very yeah. volatile uh, cargo that with the smallest spark could light up an entire city Mm -hmm. yes these trucks (laughs) are booking it but both of them so because ellie jumped onto the abandoned tire swing the tree branch snaps and she falls and both lewis and rachel rush to her aid leaving gage to kind of pitter patter around on his own and he looks as though walking has just been something that he's checked off in his book. He hasn't <laughs> been walking from he hasn't mastered it quite yet. He I mean, he's good. He's mm-hmm. stable, but not enough that I would think both parents would. And I guess I don't I don't have kids. 
so so I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, I'm an I'm an expert or whatever. Um, because I'm not, I've been, uh, my family, I, I have people in my family that have kids, but I am only around them for so long and I am not the initial caregiver for them. And I, and I do know how hard it is when you have more than one kid, how overwhelming that can be, especially when they're so far apart and when there's a bigger gap within their ages. And I guess hearing the cries and the screams of your daughter, you probably would go rush to her, Yeah, but he got real fucking close to the road and if judd was not there keeping watch this movie would have ended two minutes in because gage would have already been dead yeah <laughs> like Most as definitely. soon as they arrived in maine gage would have been dead <laughs> yeah because he was he was smooth about to be hit by that truck they had a little bit of divine intervention with mm -hmm. judd Though, I will throw in there, too, I think this is kind of a thing, as we've covered more Stephen King movies, I'm starting to notice this a bit more, but even with the tragic things that happen, there always seems to be, like, a tiny bit of divine intervention in that regard, mm -hmm. too. So it's kind of like both ways, you know? I mean, the divine intervention of the tire swings smashing Ellie's legs <laughs> to the divine intervention of Judd scooping up Gage yes. moments before he becomes roadkill. Yes, and Judd, who most people, I think, would know this actor from playing Herman Munster in The Munsters. Yeah, he comes over and he kind of swoops him up and is like, hey, I got your kid. And I think divine intervention is a huge part of this movie because they, they do play on that a little bit, on this idea that a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie is being is completely out of the character's control. It has almost been pre-planned by supernatural forces, whether that be the influence of the pet. I guess that's technically not the pet, pet cemetery, the Micmac burial ground mm -hmm. or the influence of Pascal. It seems like things that happen to this family I don't know if they were predestined, but they were definitely, there was a lot of cogs working to get them to where they end up. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they could have gone in two ways because one side is trying to sway it to a better outcome, still yeah. a sad one, but a better one. And then another way is trying to sway it to a more nefarious outcome. Mm -hmm. And also too, let me ask you this. Do you think that Ellie can shine? Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, 100%. One of my notes later on is this girl is shining her ass off. <laughs> shining, shining. She really is. She is shining, baby, all up and through this movie. Homegirl is bright like a diamond, man. Like right. after the second dream sequence, I was like, oh, she's got the shine for sure. She is shining and... I thought that was a fun little extra bit because it's something that her, it's not a huge part of this story. It's not a huge part of this movie. Um, but it's enough of a part that it influences her having this ability to have this foresight also influences the events that happen within this film, specifically mm -hmm. with Rachel. Mm -hmm. It's a huge influence on it. Yeah. And I just thought that that was kind of like a fun extra thing. Yo, honestly, same. Because, like, 
again, I'm getting more familiar with Stephen King as we go on and cover more stuff, but that is a bit of an Easter egg within his universes, right? Is that there are different characters who have mm -hmm. variations on the shine, like different people can shine in their own ways. And so now it's, it's almost fun to watch a Stephen King movie and see if you can pick out who the shiner is amongst <laughs> the cast. Mm -hmm. And I liked, I liked how subtle it was done in this. Like if it, if it is true that she could shine, I did like that they were treated more as just dream sequences as, and nightmares. And they mm -hmm. were almost passing information. It's not something that the movie really put a huge spotlight on, but for me, it was how specific the dreams were, like how exactly to a to a T the details were the same that I was like, yo, she has to be shining. She she simply must shine because yes, she has all of the business. She has every she sees exact things because her first the first instance of it happening, she sees Judd and her dad. She she thinks that church has died because she had a dream that which he did. She was right. But she had a dream that church died. And then she saw her dad and Judd going to the pet cemetery and burying him. And like, it's just too much. It's too many. It's too detail. And, and the thing about it, though. So she says that, right? Mm -hmm. And like I said, many a detail is in there. And Lewis. Doesn't give a fuck he he <laughs> i know it's because he doesn't want her to know that that's what happened but if if someone told me they had such a specific dream where they basically saw the the actions i took the night before i would pause i'd give some pause i'd Red say flags? wait Red a flags, minute <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute what do you mean you saw all these things Right. No, you're like, right. You're 100% right. I think we're just meant to believe that he is just so shook with the event of like having right. to deal with Church's death True. that he's just saying whatever he can to keep his daughter happy. Like he's not really fully processing anything that I think she's probably saying to him other mm -hmm. than I would like to get off the phone now yeah, I'd love and to not leave. be talking to you mm -hmm. because I definitely let your cat die. Right. <laughs> he does have a lot on his plate, but it was so funny because he, how anytime she asked about him, he always was like, oh yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen him today. And if you're going to lie, then just say, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, right. Why do you have to say, I don't know, I haven't seen Church today. I think he might have gone to the store. Like, why are you adding in all these extra things? Just say, I haven't. Like, oh, yeah, he's cool. He's fine. Mm -hmm. He's great. Because you're going to have to. He's a cat. You're going to have to confront this at some point. Like, yeah. at this point, he hasn't returned yet. So you're just under the impression that you bury the cat. Your daughter right. will still at some point return. And you're going to have to reveal that the cat is dead. Maybe... He was trying to set up his his long term lie, right? And just let her know that, like, yeah, I don't, I didn't see him today, so that when she got back, he'd be like, yo, yeah, church never came Still back. I don't know what it, happened. It's like, why do the long con lie? Because even if you say, yeah, he's fine, and he didn't come back, say so he never came back. When she got there, you could still start that up. You could say, yeah, I haven't seen church today, mm -hmm. and then just kept it going. Why from the jump you had to say, I don't know, I haven't seen him. <laughs> Well, what do you mean you haven't seen the cat? <laughs> well, it's probably just from the like compound guilt of just knowing that one, the cat died while supposed to while supposed to care. be under his supervision, yeah. 
And then two, only a few days before, just had the conversation with Ellie, uh, basically about the ins and outs of mortality. Mm -hmm. This girl is like asking questions about the great beyond at six. I'm like, you're a little young to be musing some of these theories, aren't you? But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess maybe not because I think part of the part of the whole um, not topic of this movie, but I guess one of the some of the subtext of this movie is, I guess, that association with death and the relationship mm -hmm. with death and the great beyond. So perhaps her having the conversation isn't too far-fetched because mm -hmm. around that age you are probably curious like you don't really know about life or death to its full extent yet and for a lot of people i do think that perhaps the loss of a pet yeah. is a lot of people's first touches with death right introduction yeah definitely i was thinking that too is i think for a lot of kids your first step into death is going to be from having a household pet, unless of course it's a pet you've had that's kind of growing up with you and it nothing happens and it it's fine until you get older. But I do think for a lot of kids, even if it is just a goldfish or something like that, yeah, your first realization that nothing lasts forever would be through a pet. And especially in a circumstance like this where they're moving to a place that is not safe for pets. And I guess and Stephen King got inspiration for this story when he was renting a house in Maine with his family. And his it was very similar. There was like a very busy road right next to them. And his daughter's cat got hit on the road. And his son almost ran out into the road, but he caught him before he went out into the road. So I, th I think that it's just a very... Like losing a pet is a very common occurrence. It's going to happen. And I do like that that is what they use as a way of showing how all of these people deal with death because it is from seeing the pet cemetery and the idea of losing church that A, Ellie even realizes that death is a concept, but also that is the... Thing that sparks us seeing how Rachel handles death and how Lewis handles death. Mm -hmm. And I think Rachel's way of handling it is to not handle it at all. Like yeah. <laughs> for her. Poor every, girl needs therapy for real, for real. <laughs> yes, she definitely needs to get some therapy because she has had this traumatic experience that happened to her when she was younger. So she's understandably still dealing with the result, the effects of that but as a result of it she wants everything to be butterflies and rainbows and it's just simply not and so because she can't handle the topic of death she has kind of put her kid into a situation where she's not willing to be truthful with ellie about the fact that death can occur and so then she makes lewis make this promise to ellie that he'll never be able to fulfill because she basically makes him swear to Ellie that church, nothing's going to happen to church, which he's understandably irritated by because he's like, come on now. Why do you, why, why did you, you make me tell me? her that? Yeah. Cause if something happens, then now 
you just lied to her and made her believe that death is not inevitable or that just because you promise or you want someone to live badly enough that they always will. And so I think you see the effects of these conflicting ideas of death really through Ellie for a lot of it, because for some of it, Lewis is quite honest with her and tries to kind of, you know, broach the idea of death with her and, and let her know that people move on and pass on and they're no longer with us. But then at the same time, Rachel, the way that she's coddling Ellie, when something finally happens to Gage, Ellie's like, oh, yeah, we can get him back. God yeah. will give him back just because I want him to. And mm-hmm. so it's like now you've set yourself up for a situation where Lewis is like, yeah, I kind of could bring him back. <laughs> yeah, you you right. <laughs> now that you mention it. <laughs> now that uh, you mention it, I could bring him back. Yeah. And you know, before, before moving into that, I will say for how Joan is an interesting character. Let's start mm-hmm. with that. Like he's an interesting character because I do think he – comes across as like a sweet old guy that like after talking to for maybe like five minutes or so you probably fall under his charm like he, he seemed like a cool guy but yeah. the more you learn about him the just kind of sketchier and sketchier he feels <laughs> but i do think what he says to ellie uh or his explanation of cemeteries to ellie was actually pretty profound it's and i thought nice. that that was a very good approach on having that conversation with a kid um, because he in paraphrasing here is essentially just like, this is a place where um, people who have passed on can still speak with us through the memories or messages that we leave on these headstones. These are like our memoirs or memories of these people. Um, so this isn't necessarily a sad place. Ellie, do you know what a graveyard really is? Well, I guess not. It's a place where the dead speak. (gasps) No, (laughs) not right out loud. Their stones speak, or their markers. This ain't a scary place, Ellie. It's a place of rest and speaking. Can you remember that? Yes, sir. And I thought that that was a really, that was a really cool way of breaking down that idea for like a small child Mm -hmm. in a way that's like you can consume that without the existential dread of death fully seeping into you you know yeah it's not so scary i think when you explain it in a way where it paints it as a more positive thing than just being saying oh yeah they're gone Mm-hmm. Bye. They're never coming back. And which is which is of... the me approach. This is why <laughs> I don't teach kids or anything because mm-hmm. I I struggle with that breaking down <laughs> adult concepts to children. For children, <laughs> that's it's so delicate, difficult. It's a delicate balance because you do want to be truthful to them, mm-hmm. but you do also have to explain things in a way that's not going to be overwhelming. Yeah. And I just I, yeah I just think that's where the divide happens. Is I think Lewis maybe falls more on that side where he does want to be honest with Ellie and not shy away from these topics. But then when it comes to Rachel, it's just she she's trying to keep up this, oh, everything is beautiful and light and fun and cute way, even with her parents who 
are pretty big assholes to Lewis. And she tries to act like, oh, yeah, no, come with us to for Thanksgiving. Everything will be great. We'll be a big family. And it's like, no, we won't because your parents are hate me. Why yeah. would I come to Thanksgiving when I'm not welcome in this household? I think she tries to kind of paint over the bad things mm -hmm. and make things feel really nice and sweet. But that's just not realistic because then you're going to have people growing up in that same mindset. And when things do go bad, they're going to be even worse off because they're not equipped to handle it. Yeah. And Ellie is not. She's really not equipped to handle church dying, let alone her brother. Mm -hmm. I, I think that one of the... Um... Yeah, this is one of the parts that that sucks is for me, every time that Ellie had to deal with the like consequence of something happened, I always felt so bad for her mm -hmm. because it's like she's re she really is just a kid and she's having to have these different approaches from different adults. Um, she has to navigate that while also navigating the death of like a pet that's very close to her and then very soon after her own brother like that is a lot to put onto a child and when she's already got that much emotional damage to work through coupled with the fact that she doesn't even know what tactic to use to properly handle this because she's getting so many different ideas from different adults like it's just so rough mm -hmm. and like it always feels like her character for me always just felt like she had to just roll with the punches because like, what, what is she going to do? And on top of that, she's seeing these things as they yes. happen in her dreams. I'm like, yeah, leave she's Ellie alone. She don't seeing, deserve all mm -hmm. this. She's seeing everybody's deaths in her dreams. So it's kind of like death is following her everywhere that she goes, despite her mother trying to shield her away from it as much as possible. And I always feel like Ellie has such a tragic story in this because even in the end, she's going to be alone. Her yeah, whole she has nothing left. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like out of everybody, I think Ellie suffers so much in this movie, despite them trying to shelter her from suffering. And going back to to Judd, mm -hmm. I always think his character is also really interesting. I he, I like his character a lot because I just think that his sequences are some of my favorite, the ones that he's involved with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he is kind of just like this everyman, sweet old guy that you'd probably see in every neighborhood. He's very friendly and forthcoming to the family and welcoming. And he kind of gets close, I think particularly to Lewis and Ellie, he gets close to them and kind of builds a bond with them. But then at the same time, he is also kind of the harbinger of these bad events because it's oh yeah, it's him telling Lewis about it that starts a string of events. And mm -hmm. so I think on the surface, Judd could look like the trustworthy guy where, yeah, I'll do what you say because why wouldn't I? Mm -hmm. And then Pascal would seem like the nightmare that you don't want to listen to, but really they're the opposite. Mm -hmm. The thing about Judd, though, is I don't think I, I could see how some people could look at him and think that he does have bad intentions. 
what he did was really fucking dumb. But mm-hmm. I don't like I think the thing that is interesting about the idea of resurrecting is most of the time it is used on pets. And although these pets come back worse, they're just shittier pets. Like they're worse pets, mm-hmm. but they're not as bad as a human coming back. Yeah. And Judd did bring his dog back. And according to him, when he brought his dog back, his dog, he let his dog live that way for a while, Mm. live the bad way for a while. And so I think to him, he's thinking, okay, rather than have Ellie face this bad situation, bring Church back. He gonna be really shitty. He gonna smell. He's gonna smell like shit as well. But you won't have to deal with this situation with Ellie. And of course, he didn't know that anybody in their family was going to die. (laughs) He didn't know that that was going to be the another thing to worry about. So I think in his head, he's like, yeah, if you bring back a bad pet, what's really the harm in that? But I do think where the movie kind of messes up is that I think they could have made just an extra scene where you saw Judd and Ellie maybe doing something together. Maybe they had an extra scene where they discussed church. I just felt like he jumped really quickly into let's do this for Ellie. And I was like, but why? Because up until that point, yes, I do get that they have a bond and stuff, but I think they could, there could have been a conversation, one more conversation before that so that I really see why he would make that decision. Cause I feel like he jumps to Pet Cemetery hella fast. <laughs> like, I feel like, cause, cause Lewis doesn't even really, or maybe it's just the way that Lewis comes across in that scene. He doesn't seem that bothered to me. If he was maybe a little bit more frantic. And more upset and was more like, oh, my God, what am I going to tell Ellie? She's going to be so upset. But as it stands now, he's just like, oh, man, church. Mm-hmm. Well, guess I'll have to figure out what to tell Ellie. It's like, OK, <laughs> so then why are we panicking and, and going mm-hmm. to the burial ground if you're not that pressed about it? That's fair. I, you know, I think with Judd. And another reason I do find his character very interesting is I I don't think he ever had nefarious intentions, intentions at all. I do think that he was a character of, for the most part, pure good intentions. I just think that he may have had an extreme way of going about them. Mm-hmm. And even with the revival of church and bringing... Uh, bringing Lewis to the burial site in the first place, I think a lot of that stemmed from good intentions. I think, you know, he found Church's body on his property. He knows that that cat means an absolute ton to Ellie. I think he just wants to help in any way that he can. And I do think typically in this sort of circumstance, there's not really a lot you can do, right? You just find a dead cat and, like, that's the end of it. Where he knows of a potential way that this does not have to be the end of it. Like Mm -hmm. he has the secret that will lead to a potential second chance for this pet. So I think he may just be going into it from that regard. And in those respects, I actually don't blame him too much because 
as far as he knows, he has his experience with that burial site, right? And he knows that there are some cons to using it. But for the most part, he has a specific instance attached to him. Lewis has had a full nightmare dream sequence with zombie warnings to not go to this area that he is treading to and still continues to follow afterwards. Mm -hmm. Granted, granted, my man Judd was moving kind of quick, so there wasn't like a lot of room to to slow him down and stop this plan. Judd was zooming. (laughs) Judd was absolutely zooming. (laughs) But Lewis made the conscious decision to follow this man, knowing that he already had some some preconceived notions about what was behind the pet cemetery in the first place. So like, I do put some of that blame again on Lewis because he chose to keep going despite the clear warning signs that he already got, Mm -hmm. you know, and asking minimal questions and asking minimal questions, just kind of just going along with it. Judd is being vague as fuck. And also once they get there, he says, Oh yeah, you have to bury your own. Mm Mm-hmm. Say that one more time with more details and more words and tell me (laughs) what you mean. Because, yeah, he's being quite vague and he. It just feels off. I think you can like it's strange. And I do think there you could also say, you know, that Lewis and his family live in front of this now. Maybe it is something they should know about or at least Lewis should know about. Mm hmm. And so I do think you could also even maybe say that maybe Judd would have told him regardless some at some point in time. Right. But yeah, Lewis has previously been warned about this. And I think uh, warned enough where he knew it wasn't just a dream, (laughs) considering he woke up in his bed with muddy feet and had Mm -hmm. obviously been out and about. I do love that shot where he's laying outside and then, and then goes, it wakes up. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best like dream sequences I've ever seen. But just in just in terms of setting it up so you can't tell if it was a dream or not. Mm-hmm. It was something about the way that they did it, but it was absolutely crisp and flawless. It tr- the transition from nightmare to reality was seamless. Mm-hmm. It's a really great, and there are a lot of shots in this movie that that I really enjoy. But I, I specifically wrote that one down because I've always really thought it was a great shot because it's you you see him and he lays down outside, but then when and then it turns and then they zoom in on his face, it goes from night to day. So even on it's on his face, you don't even know where he's at yet. Zooms out and he's in his bed. And then he throws the covers off and his feet are covered in mud, dry, ashy. His feet look ashed up. <laughs> they were Crusted so fully. muddy. Crusty. <laughs> the bed is full of dirt. I was like, good thing Rachel didn't try and get some morning delight because she would have been like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is wrong with your feet? But yeah, that's a great. I always really liked that scene. Yeah. And I like Judd. Judd too later on, I I always felt it's weird because I, I I do complete I do feel very bad for Judd with the fate that <laughs> that falls upon him is mm-hmm. very unfortunate. But it is interesting because I think his commentary later is the biggest thing that makes me feel like things are predestined because he convinces himself that because he showed lewis the pet cemetery 
that is why Gage died and that mm-hmm. they were always kind of trying to pull him in to do something worse because Lu- or Judd is the only one who knows that this has happened before mm-hmm. and that a human has been used before. I did. Lewis j- immediately jumps to, have they ever buried a person there? I was like, please. <laughs> when right? Judd's telling him about it and I'll, and Judd's like, no, no, but we find I'm like, out. Is he trying to bury Pascal in there? Like, <laughs> It was such a big leap of like, who are you trying to bring back from the dead all of a sudden? Yeah, he gets real, real weird real quick. Because Judd's just talking about pets. Yeah. Like, (laughs) have they ever buried a person there? And Judd almost chokes on his own spit. And he's like, no, no, but they have. He's lying. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that maybe the guilt of knowing that that had happened before and still telling someone about it is what is eating like eating Judd up yeah as it it should because like (laughs) yeah had he just minded his own business and just as a normal neighbor would informed his friend that hey your cat died and Mm -hmm. then promptly moved on with his life an entire family may still be alive today still be alive or even just did that thing where he's like all right let's go find another cat that looks like church. <laughs> it looks just like this How one. How many days do we have? He could have pulled that parent move and been mm-hmm. like, all right, we'll replace the cat. She'll never know. Nope. <laughs> but, but that's that's not what he does. Nah, uh, he takes the, the, the which once again, Stephen King going for the Native American mm-hmm. gr- land burial ground to explain <laughs> the supernatural circumstances within his stories hey you got a supernatural plot hole in your story we got you baby yeah welcome and so i do like though i like what they do with church when he comes back and mm-hmm. the things that he does because like i said yeah he's a, he's being real shitty real antagonistic cat mm-hmm but it's not like he's actively trying to kill <laughs> Lewis or anything. No. So I don't think that is wild for Lewis to think if I bring Gage back, he's going to be like really bad. Mm-hmm. But not to think that he would ever kill anybody because so far church is just kind of pranking Lewis, <laughs> like like bringing dead mice, which uh, cats will do anyway. <laughs> yeah, cats will do that. It, for me, it's when church straight up slap the taste out yeah, of, of Lewis's mouth mm-hmm. where I might have had some questions about burying my late son. Though I did make a note of that scene when he's holding church and like examining him when he comes back before he gets bit slapped. He kind of deserved that slap the way that he was holding that cat. He was kind of choking church. He was kind of choking church and anybody who actually owns a cat will tell you that he was very much at the time limit for which most yeah. cats will put up with your bullshit. He was being pretty rough. <laughs> I mean, I also probably would have slapped him in his face if if he was examining me in that nature. But yeah, church isn't being so bad that you would think, oh gosh, bring it. And, and he doesn't know. He, yes, he knows what happened in the past with that person that got brought back, but not really. He only has Judd's recollect, like, recounts. And even then, Gage does seemingly much worse than that other person did when they came when they got brought back. Right. Also, can we talk about the fact that Judd killed a man? Why was their first thought to set the entire house on fire? Because <laughs> if they had a zombie boy 
that they were like, oh, we need to kill him. Okay, shoot him. Hit him over the head. Do something specifically. Why would you go to his daddy's house knowing that his dad was going to be there talking about, hey, get out while you have a chance, while you're actively throwing gasoline in the living room? They killed that man. They killed Bill (laughs) and have no, no to lick a remorse about it. I couldn't believe that's something that I forgot happened in this movie. And I couldn't believe that. I was like, Judd, you murdered a man and you did not have to do that because you didn't have to light his house on fire. Mm hmm. Just kill the boy. Yep. I'm saying the boy, y'all. He's like 30 or something in the movie. He's not even, he's not young or anything. Yeah, he a man, but like just kill the man specifically. Why did you why did you set his dad on fire like that? You know, not wrong. Again, probably good intentions as far as just <laughs> Yeah. He's the like, road, I'm doing but, this for yeah. the for the good of for everybody else around. You know? Yeah. What is it like the the road to hell is paved with good intentions? I right. feel like that Judd's picture should be above that saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> golly, this man is dude really seems like he's trying his best, but mm-hmm. gosh, it's just not working out. Um, but I mean, speaking of death and good intentions, um, uh, the character of Pascal, I did want to talk about mm-hmm for a moment uh, because first and foremost the audacity of these people to just thrust this corpse in your face like 17 minutes into the movie it's, I a, felt, it's a really the cut is really jarring <laughs> the cut is super jarring and the makeup effects are too good mm-hmm. i wrote down this is these are practical effects that are too practical because mm-hmm. this straight up looks like someone who was just hit by a truck the way the makeup team designed his half open skull where you are seeing pulsating brain come out of one side oh it looks great is so gross to look at and not only is it just absolutely jarring to look at they make you look at it a lot Mm -hmm. It's not like a one and done, like, oh, you see this corpse once, you do this one uh, examination room scare, which was fantastic. I love the examination scene. That's not the end of it, because this character is a regular character for the entire movie, and so is the missing half of his head. And you (laughs) just... Every time that he would pop up for a flashback, for a bit of for a bit of fucking exposition, anything, I was always just squirming. It's like I don't like looking at you. Yeah. You look too gooey. You look too fresh. I don't you like you. A bloody your, mess. Mm-hmm. I don't like your costume. That's how I feel at the end too with Rachel. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that, that kiss. Oh, that, but let's talk about that puss. The that puss. Was, the, uh, that was. Pussing out of her eyes. I suck it. <laughs> Yikes, uh, buddy. Yeah, what did make- that kiss? Oh, I know that kiss tastes like rotten eggs. <laughs> rotten eggs and, and hair. Makeup team. <laughs> y'all, hair. y'all were on your P's and Q's for this movie. and That shit hurted. It, the tongue, when he put his whole tongue in her mouth. <laughs> 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 uh, but I was sick. R- real quick, outside of that character being just awful to look at um i thought the character was creative in terms of like he's fun like one he's having a blast doing the role which is always fun to see but two you have this like red herring antagonistic character because when we initially see him in that first nightmare sequence he really comes across as ghoulish like he does not Mm -hmm. like even though he's saying that he's there to be helpful does not feel like it at 
all. But then watching the like Home Alone sequence later of trying to get the mom back and like all that stuff where you see this ghost character actively trying to help our protagonist. I thought that was a cool take on a character that most people probably would have just written off as being a haunting ghoul or something like that. Yeah, I I had fun with him and I liked his little one-liners and things. And yeah, when you first meet him, he because he's so urgent, he's very aggressive with Lewis and it's scary cuz it's your first time seeing him since he died and but then you understand later why he is so urgent, why he is so pressing with this because he knows that these bad things are going to happen. He knows what's hap- going to be eventually happening if Lewis allows himself to go to the burial ground. And so I like, too, that he starts with Lewis and he's not getting anywhere. So he goes to Ellie and then he goes to Rachel. It's like he's moving through the different people within the family to finally get to a person where that he can get through to because Lewis is a lost cause. Like he's just not taking any of his advice. Mm -hmm. So he moves on to Ellie and that's what gets through is he moves on to someone who is more receptive of what he's saying and who is more, takes it more seriously because Lewis does not take any of the warnings seriously. He's Mm -hmm. not, Paying it because he in Lewis's mind, which is fair to think he's not wrong to think this way. But in Lewis's mind, he is being haunted and almost being punished. He feels like he's being punished because he couldn't save Pascal's life. Right. That's not the case. Pascal's actually trying to help him because he tried to save his life. Mm -hmm. But in Lewis's head, he's like, oh, you're you're punishing me because I couldn't help you. And so he almost feels like. These hauntings are just something that he has to endure. And he's not even really paying attention to anything that's being said to him. But obviously, that's Ellie and Rachel don't feel the same way. They don't have that same relationship to him. So they're not like, oh, I'm being haunted by this or I'm being punished. They're just like, what is going on? Something is clearly (laughs) telling me something Something, here. Yeah, something is amiss. So, yeah, I I enjoy his character. Yeah, especially on the part where he's trying to get Rachel (laughs) and trying to get Rachel back. But also going off of people who died, let's talk about Zelda, who is what I always remembered from this movie when I was younger was what stuck. Zelda is what stuck in my mind. Ah, yeah. Why, Why is that? Because it was creepy. It, it scared me. I, For some reason, I always remember that scene when she walks in and she's in the bed and she's feeding her and she's coughing. Because the thing about Zelda is Zelda's not a villain. She's not the antagonist of the movie. And I think the thing that always that I think strikes me about it now that I'm older is it's this idea of seeing someone that you know be in that position of Mm -hmm. this illness that has completely taken over her body and made her scary. This is not a person that should be scary. It's a person that should be sympathized with and who Rachel admits should be loved and taken care of. But like this disease has ravaged her body. And so now she's like a shell. It's interesting because like, she was a she's a shell of the person that she once was and now all she is is this disease that rachel has to care for and 
you know, take care of her sister, even though it's not really her sister anymore. And it's kind of the same thing with Gage when he comes back. He's not He's a shell of who he used to be. And it's interesting because Rachel always feels like Zelda is going to come back and get her because of what happened. And Gage ends up getting her in the end. And it's a very similar instance where it's someone that you once loved who is that person has died. Like that person that you knew them as has died. Mm-hmm. And they are no, they are, they look, although they look like the person that you love, they aren't anymore yeah and it just always scared like just seeing the part that always scared me was her going in there like feeding her Mm -hmm. and her like choking on it and stuff yeah and she's like rachel that part always got to me too just hearing Mm -hmm. her voice but it's just a scary it's just a scary idea and oh man Uh, yeah it did what it did to rachel like i always thought that that was just really sad because she was like a little kid dealing with this really unfortunate circumstance Mm -hmm. it really plays on and i think stephen king is very good good about this is playing on the terrors of just everyday life things that some people have to deal with and that is that is a scary concept is the deterioration of the human body and there's like a bigger grand concept um, within horror that I do not know the name of right now, but it's this idea that like it's frightening to see the human body in like distorted forms. Mm-hmm. And so I, I could see why in that regard, Zelda or just in general for the grander conversation, just like very sickly people, especially very physically sickly people can be like it can be scary sometimes because you're just not used to seeing the human body in that form and it's mm-hmm. jarring it's difficult to look at um but it's also tragic too because like you're saying it's like this is a person um and that person depending on what their circumstance is they may not be that person anymore mm-hmm. but they used to be somebody and so navigating that space of like the person that you lost versus the person that you're still taking care of and then what that what effect that has on you and the family and just so many different aspects of your life. I think it makes a lot of sense that um, uh, it makes a lot of sense that Rachel would be traumatized from this experience because one does she not only does she have a skewed concept of death at this point, but then she also has a skewed concept on her relationships with people, I think, especially because of what happened with Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just one of those very glaring moments where therapy is good. And perhaps yes. had she really sat with a professional and sorted through some of these things, she may have, while she was walking the earth, gotten to uh, deal with them. Yeah. But as far as we're concerned, this shit is haunting her well it, into her adulthood. Yeah. And, and it's just now it's gotten to a point where it's, just anybody's death really sets her off because their housekeeper uh, commits suicide and Rachel is sick from the moment she hears about it and doesn't go to the funeral and it's the idea of death that's really shaken her up. And mm-hmm. also we've got a Stephen King cameo. He is the the preacher at the funeral. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fun. But oh, Real quick, speaking of funerals though, 
Um, the <laughs> Are you guys talking about the funeral scene? Mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that. <laughs> we, have, we have to because for how like deep, dark and brooding this movie is, there are parts where it just goes off the fucking rails. And yeah. Gage's funeral is one of those moments. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a whole mess. Look, I get they because they're trying to do this thing where Rachel's dad makes this scene at Gage's funeral. They get in this and gets in a huge fight with Lewis because he blames Lewis for what happened. But the whole way that the scene is set up is almost comical. It's I laugh. It feels I like straight up laugh, bro. It feels like like the Jerry Springer show. I'm not <laughs> the way that it plays out. It feels like an episode of Jerry Springer. I knew something like this would happen. I told her when you were first married, you'll have all the grief you can stand and more. I said, and I look at this. I hope you rot in hell. Where were you when he was playing in the road? You're sticking shit. You killer of Because they have that. <laughs> Lewis and the dad are up at the at the casket, and then you have all these extras in the background, and the dad starts yelling at Lewis, and it does this dramatic cut over to Rachel, and she's like, ah, like screaming, <laughs> and then and then the dad starts punching Lewis, and everybody in the background, like you can, it's obviously been 80 yards which so just like oh 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 gosh what's going on oh no ha, ha. and like everybody is like grabbing their heads and and, and then they knock the casket over that's and, when i lost it bro with the little the, little baby the dead baby hand the hand out comes of the out casket. of the casket and then lewis starts screaming and then some man comes out of nowhere and grabs lewis and almost makes lewis feel bad for what just happened because he's like it's your son's funeral get it together as if the dad wasn't just beating the absolute (laughs) shit out of him for and nobody was doing anything the dad's like kicking him in the face rachel's just like daddy (laughs) god it's a fucking mess dude it's a a shit show i couldn't believe my eyes watching it and it's uh, the thing that frustrates me about it is the bookends of that scene so what comes before and what comes after are very good emotionally no matter how many times i've seen this movie i still my heart still races when we're leaning up to that scene that Mm -hmm. gage gets hit by the truck because despite lewis turning his back and things happening where you're like yeah this could have been avoided i think it goes off of what you said where it's a very mundane mundane day the i like the way that the family just is together i like the scenes where they're just kind of being a family and it's cute they're flying a kite they're having a little picnic it's just a nice beautiful day that goes horribly wrong and i feel like this is the scene where things could have been really over dramatized over the top sensationalized because this is the moment that we as the audience if you know what happens in the story have been waiting for and it's not it feels very real time and the reactions all feel very natural for each character. It, they could have pulled slow motion shots and really 
leaned into it and they didn't. Lewis is running at a regular speed that a concerned dad would be. The truck just continues to come, everybody's screaming, and then it happens and then they allow a little bit of drama so that you as the audience can catch up to where the characters are and really realize what has just happened. Mm-hmm. And I think they do that well. I love the bit afterwards where he's just looking at the pictures and he still has the son's blood. They had to like sedate Rachel just to get her to sleep. Although I don't love <laughs> they ADR'd Ellie's crying crying when she goes and jumps on the couch. <laughs> If if you can put in that audio clip, because it's she's like she's like <laughs> like I don't know what they they did her crying dirty. Sure, I won't sit in this chair. Ellie. Lewis, take care, little girl. She needs you. But Old still, ADR, you gotta love it. <laughs> still, that scene is some really great emotionally. And then you have the funeral scene. Mm-hmm. And then after the funeral scene, we have another. There's another scene after that that I like. I can't remember if it's with Ellie and Lewis or Lewis and Judd. It might be the Lewis and Judd scene. But the scenes on either side of it, I think emotionally are very strong. And then you have this funeral scene right in the middle of it that is so kooky. Mm-hmm. It didn't need to be there. It did not. They should have just had. They should have just done the same thing they did with Missy, where they're already outside and maybe they're lowering his grave into the ground or something. But man, that funeral, Dude. that funeral had me. They were cutting up in that scene. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yo, it's so out of pocket. It's so out of place. But I'm happy it was there. I gotta be real with you. It's just so. <laughs> entertaining it's like jerry it's got the jerry springer effect on it where you just can't help but look at how outrageous it is and how crazier it gets the longer you keep watching it's fabulous i fucking love it it's so (laughs) it's pretty funny i yeah (laughs) it's wild and then in the next time they meet up the dad's just like yeah i'm sorry i lost my cool (laughs) like sir (laughs) It's going to take a little bit more than that. What are you talking about? So then (laughs) then we get to the decision where Mm -hmm. Lewis decides that he is going to bury Gage. And there's that other scene where he is making his way back to the burial ground. And Judd's face comes Comes flying out of of a pile of rocks. (laughs) Yeah. And he goes, Lewis, but it's like his face. But then there's like moss behind his face because it's like jutting out from a it's very never ending story. Like, it's just really fantastical. (laughs) It's bizarre, though, because nothing else like that happens in the movie. Mm hmm. Or, or is that supposed to be Judd or is that supposed to be Pascal? You know, I think when I saw it the first time, I thought it was pa- Pascal. But it's really, it's so quick that it's hard to really tell yeah. who it is. I would assume it would be Pascal because he'd be the one who I think would be actively trying to stop mm-hmm. him in this moment. And that would make sense. 
I, I, yeah, Pascal makes more sense now that I think about it. I guess kind of assumed it was Judd for some reason, but I think that makes, I think you might be right because Pascal can't go past the pet cemetery. Yeah. Position, yeah. Or even um, past the tree, it doesn't seem like. I don't think he can even take the path. Well, it, it seems like the the distance for which he can travel does vary depending on what part of the movie <laughs> yeah. you're at. Um, but yeah, there is some there is some power keeping him from going like all the way there and just like being there to be like, hey, don't mm-hmm. don't don't bury your son there. Don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. Also, this was an earlier note, but I just thought about it because we we're talking about it. That path to get there is so treacherously long. It's a lot. That I just like it. It still blows my mind that he followed Judd there all the way the first time, carrying church for for a cat. My guy, throw that shit in the dumpster, bro. <laughs> like, it's a lot. The and, moment and, you and, have me scaling mountains to bury to bury this cat, no, we could go get another cat. But also, Judd does not seem winded at all. This man, he got pep in his step. Yeah, Judd had some gas. He got some new <laughs> gas in the tank because he is flying through this journey. He's like all the way up at the top of the mountain when we cut to one of the scenes and he's like looking down at Lewis, <laughs> like screaming <laughs> to him from the top. I was like, geez, my man's this big step in. Yeah, but I mean, he does. Lewis goes, he, he buries his son and um, immediately falls asleep. And then immediately falls asleep. He's like, job well done. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, huh, I hope my dead son comes back to life tonight. I'll figure it out in the morning. And then just nods off to sleep. I wouldn't have been mm-hmm. able to sleep personally. Yeah, right. Especially after doing like after just digging up your own child. By the way, yeah. those uh, authorities at the cemetery lose your badges and your jobs. You're terrible <laughs> at what you do. y'all y'all shine that light clear on my mans in full body deep hole and decide to drive off there's no excuse for you guys like you know what this isn't even any of our business (laughs) we are gonna go they're like my shift's over in five minutes i ain't got time for this i don't want to deal with this um but uh, you know what's interesting is when gage comes back right i do like the decision on how they bring him back that he's just basically himself with like a tiny little bit of scarring i i think that was the way to go um truth be told but as a morbid person i can't help but think that the speed with which gage got hit by that truck I just it's it's real hard for me to believe that there's that much gauge left to me. I guess the way that I think of it is I'm like I'm going to assume that he the truck driver did try and swerve and move. Maybe mm-hmm. he like hit gauge and gauge like flew cuz his shoe does fly off. So his I wouldn't be surprised if he like flew mm-hmm. and hit his head cuz he has like there's a Scar, like a scar across his, his head yeah. where they probably like sewed it back together or something but yes i agree i like that he still looks like himself minus obviously like a couple of cuts or whatever and then he is pale and looks like he has been dead mm-hmm. um but yeah it works and i also would assume because i know they took a lot of care to because they wanted to have an actual child they took a lot of care not to traumatize him. So anytime blood or anything is involved, it's always like a puppet hand Mm -hmm. um, or a puppet just in the scene. So I would, I also kind of wonder if maybe that was their reasoning for not wanting to go too 
full on makeup and stuff because yeah. maybe it would scare him if he saw himself or something like too too grotesque yeah, or something like, like too that gory because they they do it for everybody else but him yeah yeah like i'm i'm fully okay with it like i joke but like i do think that this was the best way um to also yes preserve the innocence because when you're having kids work in horror movies, mm-hmm. like they're great. They add they add a great effect to the movies. But yeah, you you want to preserve their their fucking childhood still. Yeah, <laughs> like these are these are kids. So he's like, it makes oh, it makes a lot of sense baby. to go that route. <laughs> yeah, because he's like three. I think <laughs> like two yeah, because I, I yeah the I think the character of Gage is supposed to be like two or three mm-hmm. in there. And I don't know how old that the kid actor is when he's playing him, but he's probably young enough that they want to shield yeah. him from this stuff and i think the they same. also like shot all of his stuff separately too to make sure that he wasn't ever like too afraid like any of the yeah. like super dark scenes i think he shot separately which yeah again, super and, smart and i think i read in our um something that the director said where they also tried to do it where they like played a game, played it like it was a game with him. Mm-hmm. So they'd say like, okay, now now jump on me. Now pretend like you're biting me. And then every time after he would do it, they'd all clap and cheer for him. So he like knew he did a good job. And well, they'd be like, okay, now growl. A... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's sitting I, so... there with a piece of Judd's neck in his <laughs> mouth. Like, oh, are you like wow. With a scalpel <laughs> in his hand. They're like, yeah. And he's like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I think they tried to make it as much of, as playful as possible. So it always felt like even if he was doing something scary, it felt fun to him. That's 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 cool. Because I, I I'll say <laughs> it was silly, but also very playful. The showdown between him and Judd. Him and Judd, uh, yeah. The- well, I think this full-grown man get absolutely assassinated by a two-year-old was kind of, was kind of enjoyable he gets a night yeah and and this is the original achilles tendon cut before hostel there was this achilles tendon cut which <laughs> still gets to me because that is deep bro that is, that is deep in that foot he was about to take a a chunk like he was cutting a cake i was like oh my god it looks straight up like those is it cake style videos (laughs) is it cake or is it foot i don't know (laughs) i can't tell anymore because yeah he is in there so immediately judd goes down and then he's just eating him up and i and because okay (laughs) as silly as judd's and rachel's aren't bad they're not because it's the element of surprise. It's the shock. He gets some stuff in before they really even have a chance to react, particularly with Rachel, because she's just so excited to see him yeah. that I, Ra- she completely puts her guard down. <laughs> Rachel, I have to take a couple deep breaths before I can forgive her. But I know that her death is valid, like what yeah. she does in that moment. I It takes a lot for me not to be upset. But I'm like, I get it. I do get yes. it. I understand. Because a part of me wonders if Rachel really thought that was real or if she still shot, thought she was maybe like hallucinating. Like in shock, yeah. Because she, she did she, just see Zelda. Zelda. So. And now it's her son. So I wonder if part of her thought maybe she was imagining that he was there and she mm-hmm. was just kind of like leading into that because she was just so happy to see him or yeah, something. Yeah, I could totally see that. Um, But... <laughs> So yeah, Judd's death is great. The effects are yeah, you can you they're a little silly at times, but I I think that for the most part they're still visceral enough that I felt like I felt that Achilles cut. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, Ugh. and the mouth one got me too. Yeah, the mouth and, that was a good one. 
That was a good one. So then we get to Lewis. So (laughs) before we get to Lewis, I do think as silly as it is having it be this little tiny baby child, like, and which is why I kind of wonder if they switched things up in the remake because they didn't want to have to deal with that. But I think there is, although when they come back, they're not like super strong or anything. Like they're still themselves. themselves. I do think there is a supernatural element to them that maybe helps them just kind of get an upper hand because church is somehow teleporting all over the place. Like, how did he get into the bathroom? Really? How did he get into the bathroom? The door was closed. Where'd my boy come from? I do mm-hmm. think Church has some supernatural abilities. Judd mentions that the first guy that came back, it seemed like he had some things about him that were different. And it's like, you are no longer of this earth. So I don't think it's crazy to think that when they come back, they do come back with some kind of a power and i also yeah. think that that's maybe why gage went after judd is because he knew that judd was gonna go after him like he could he knew things maybe like he knew oh, yeah. that his mom was coming how do you know his mom was coming i mean like, things judd, like that judd was ready to scrap the moment yeah. that <laughs> the moment that he knew that gage was back in his house he grabbed that pocket knife and said oh where would you like this smoke he said i'm gonna kill this child <laughs> i i i'm gonna kill him I really am. The, I got something for you. I got something for flicking you. out the knife got me. <laughs> yeah, he he was ready. But you can't be mad go. at him because he no. knew. Like he was like, okay, I've dealt with this before. I do know what's up. I like that part where oh, yeah. even though it was Gage and it was clearly Gage, he's like, no, 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 no. He came back yeah. from the cemetery. I know how this works. I'm, I'm ready. He said, put your big boy pants on because <laughs> you're playing in the big leagues now. But yeah, he just got church, church. And that's another thing. How the fuck did church get into the house? Like, that's what yeah. I mean. I, they have they have some kind they, of supernatural abilities. They have to because otherwise, how did Gage get a uh, old girl hanging from the rafters? How would mm-hmm. he have unless he has some kind of supernatural something to him? So I will use that to excuse some of this Lewis fight. <laughs> <laughs> but it is pretty silly it's it's pretty silly i do love i will say i've always loved this kid this little kid is very good like this mm-hmm. this little boy is i think does a very good job because i always loved after lewis stabs him with the needle and he goes like not fair and he like and he walks backwards and he like slams backwards into the door and he just falls i always thought that shit was great i was like that is acting my guy bro best death sequence i've seen in years i loved everything about gage's death number two it's so good not fair i just fair so I played that at least back, three times. The way the that he back, looks back at him. The stank eye that he gives him. Oh, not, my goodness. It's the walk fair. off, the fucking no fair, the tumble, the, the sh- stank the, eye. Yeah, the shuffle backwards and the way that he like, <laughs> boop, and his legs come flying out from under him. And then the way that he slides down the door when he dies and he's like. The slump. <laughs> 10 out it's of 10 death. fucking 
good. Like it's really good. I have to give it up. Every time I watch that, I always really like it because I just think they did a really good job with it. Because mm-hmm. it's like it is a little kid and you have to kind of figure out a way to be satisfying. But you can't be too dramatic and over the top because like it'll get silly. And I mm-hmm. actually think that the way that they did it was really good because it's it's the the whole thing about it is it's just sad it's sad because he is still looks like himself he still looks like a little kid and it's not fair that he died and it sucks that it didn't work so like the whole thing i think is sad enough that they did just enough for it like because mm-hmm. i think the emotional weight is what is important in that moment and yeah. so i think it works really well I agree. I definitely agree too. And even with like Church's death, I, I think Church's mm. death, it for me comes off a little bit sillier, um, just in like how like how the sequencing of it. However, I feel like for the time to just so openly like kill a cat on screen, I do think it's kind of a big deal because mm. like even now, like Killing an animal on screen, for the most part, is, like, typically taboo unless you do it very um, creatively. Mm-hmm. And this felt very realistic as far yeah. as, like, animal deaths go. And in the fucking 80s, I mean, early early 90s, but in the 80s, to do that and then just, just so proudly hold the carcass that is a doll, but, like, hold it out for the world to see. I think that's actually a big deal in terms of just like movie making and just like Mm -hmm. the boundaries being pushed in terms of who is safe and who is not. Because in this ending sequence, we do have the two quintessential, like typically safe, the animal and the, and the young kid, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's usually a conscious decision to go after those two groups. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we kill both of those in the, in the last act of this movie. I just I do think it's saying a lot towards the yeah. boundaries that this was pushing. And killed him twice. Mm-hmm. Killed him twice. We see it twice. We do. Yeah. And yeah, even though even though you get half puppet, half boy in the Lewis fight scene, it's still it works enough it, for it, me. It, it works. I think it, it, I think it, the ending makes me forgive it. Like because yes. the ending's so good, I am willing to forget Pinocchio fight. And the way he's being swung around ain't no worse to me than any <laughs> Chucky movie I've right. ever seen. Right. You know what I mean? Like we've seen the tiny doll being chucked. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And I actually will say they do a fairly good job of cutting between real gauge and Mm -hmm. puppet gauge Mm -hmm. where i enjoy the moments when we do get the real actor enough where i'm like okay even though this puppet is like 20 shades lighter than your actual skin tone (laughs) and it's like (laughs) the palest puppet i've ever seen um i'm okay i'm okay with it it's 1989 what am i gonna gonna am i really gonna be that pissed about this and also i I fully understand Lewis trying to bring his wife back. I, I get it. At yeah, that he's point, he's it. so far gone yeah. that I would have been surprised if he didn't attempt to do it. Yeah, he's lost it and he's making excuses. He's like, oh, well, I did this wrong the first time, but now I'm going to do it this way. The man has like, it's he, he's seen horrible things. He's done horrible things. And it's like, really, how was he going to come back from that? I think 
this is kind of the only way that he could end because what he gonna go back and be a dad's alley now no yeah <laughs> no so i think that at this point in time it makes a lot of sense that he hasn't learned anything mm -hmm. and i think that that's kind of lewis's thing is through all of this grief and all of these trials and tribulations, although in the beginning he was the one who seems so accepting of death. I mean, he's a doctor. He sees it day in and day out. In the end, he is the one who can't accept it. He can't accept that that is the end now that he knows that there maybe is a different way. And so I don't think it's wild that he would continue on in this method and also yeah, I kind of just think that him being killed by Rachel, it's the only thing that makes sense at this point. Because, mm -hmm. I, yeah, there's no coming back from that. Like, Yeah, and it was a satisfying back. ending for me, too. Uh, the kiss, not satisfying. That oh, was disturbing yeah, and disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the effects and makeup team for knocking it out of the park with that, because that was absolutely grotesque. But the kiss into her with the with the stab that we don't get to see. I was like, this is a, for me and the movie I just watched, this is a good ending. Yeah. Like I'm very, very satisfied with how this ends and like mm -hmm. where, where this ends. It's like, we got the full arc of the story. Not everything, well, not all loose ends were tied up by any means. Like we're yeah. still kind of in a tragic position by the time we hit the end of things. But I feel like I went on a complete journey with the characters that I'm watching. Mm -hmm. And so when it gets to that last frame, I'm like, this is good. I like this. This is this yeah. is okay. And I love that. Yeah, I like that we don't get to see it. I like that it's implied that that's we already know what is going to happen. And like I said, it's a really tragic story for Ellie because we know that she is probably already knows that this has happened. But is not there like she's not completely sure but yeah because even that morning her grandpa calls and is like ellie's convinced her mom died like let her speak to her kind of a thing so she's already distraught when we when we hear from her that morning mm -hmm. so yeah i i really like the ending i like that rachel that he tries to bring rachel back and that it's gonna be the same result it's always gonna be the same result and i even like that they have pascal try and stop him one more time before it's like nah this isn't yeah it's a wrap this, this isn't gonna work also what judd's house was burning all night it was burning like all day and all night and nobody came i, I there's like a shot of a truck just driving by it and that shit is ablaze <laughs> now nah, they got the radio too fucking turned up while they're, while they're driving <laughs> they're a little distracted driving by dang you hate to see it you do you do <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I think for the most part, that's like Pet Cemetery. We didn't go like too much into some of the like movie making aspects because there, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that like breaks mm -hmm. down like the color theory of the movie and like different like uh, homages to the book and yada, yada, yada. Like there, there's a bunch of those. But um, I feel like as far as just the movie's concerned, that was like most of the stuff yeah. that yeah, I wanted that was... to cover. That was my my big stuff. Also, um, the director, Mary Lambert, just wanted to shout out that she also directed Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. Um, Ooh, did want to give classic. a shout out to that because <laughs> that movie does slap. It does bang. And I was very pleased to find that out. <laughs> I was very pleased. I was really excited. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, all right. <laughs> 
What are we rating uh, the pet cemetery with an S out of? Oh, uh, okay. We could rate this out of goopy, goopy eye sockets. Oh, gross. Is that going to gross you out too much? <laughs> Uh, I mean, we could. I could do it, but I'm not going to say I'm not going to be grossed out by it. <laughs> we could do it, though. You we could do it. Is this, is this the eye socket, though? Do we want to commit the goopy eye socket to the Pet cemetery? Oh, man. It was really goopy. I, right. I mean, it's, she, she was squirting as okay, soon as right, she walked right. in Say there. less, say less, say less, say less. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you, do you want to go first? Uh, <laughs> sure. All right. All right. Okay. I'll go first. I'll go first. <laughs> all right, homies. I am going to rate Pet Cemetery four point nine out of five goopy eye sockets. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'm being a little hesitant giving it a five, but I think it almost is mainly because I just don't really know what I would change about the movie. It, it for me, it wasn't a perfect movie, but it was super enjoyable. Um, it's always the story for me is fun. Uh, the characters are interesting. The things that happen are interesting. I do think the deeper you dive into this story and this movie, there's more gold to be mined every single time. So I think it has rewatchability and it's just a fun ride. It's not like it's like an hour 40. It goes by super quick. I just I, I really like it. And I don't know if I like it absolutely enough to call it a perfect movie, because I do think some of the characters make some really, really dumb choices throughout the plot. Um, I think overall as a complete package, it kind of knocks it out of the park for me. So uh, mm. yeah, four point nine out of five, goopy eye sockets. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm gonna do. I gosh, I'm falling between like four point four, four point five. Okay. Goopy eye sockets for me, um, because. Yeah, I, I just have always enjoyed Pet Cemetery. I think the story of it is really great and is really tragic. I like the ideas of grief and loss and death that they in, go into within it. And I think that the movie unfolds fairly well for being from a book. I, I yes, they, there's a lot of it's it's a steady adaptation or um, like a pretty faithful adaptation but at the same time obviously there's a lot of things that they have to cut such as like i said i do wish that there was like a little bit more build up with judd before he suggests the pet cemetery just because i feel like it happens really quickly and really fast and i feel like because of that judd's intentions in the movie feel a little bit more questionable than they do for me in the book and i also think you know, sometimes the acting doesn't always hit for me. And also, I think there are some parts where the cuts feel a little jarring. Like, it'll go from a certain scene and then it'll cut. Like, particularly, there's a part where later on where Lewis is trying to figure out or he's decided to, that he's going to bury Gage. And then it cuts to Rachel 
seeing Zelda and it just mm-hmm. threw me all the way off. I was like, I don't know if I like <laughs> if I loved that flash uh, that scene happening right there. So there's just a few places where I think that maybe the scenes could have been shifted around, but yeah, I just love this story. I think that, like I said, there are scenes to me that no matter how many times I watch them, I still enjoy them. And I think they still hold up for me as just as much as I when I first watched this movie. And yeah, the effects, chef's kiss, very good. So yeah, I think, I think I'm probably leaning more towards 4.5 uh, goopy eye sockets for nice. me out of five. Very nice, very nice. Um, Also, quick fun fact to throw in there that I did forget before we go is that the cat known as Church was apparently played by seven separate Mm -hmm. cats, which I thought was uh, very cool. Seven cats all trained to do very specific things for specific Mm -hmm. shots. Yeah, which makes sense. It's hard to get one single animal that can do everything that you need them to do throughout the movie. So a lot of times they'll hire like specific ones to do specific things but yeah mm-hmm. they sh- they had cats and they had animals to do things they say you should never work with and they did successfully i think yeah. they both did great and actually the kids specifically gauge were are kind of a highlight for me in this in this movie yeah. so, so yeah. don't listen to all the warnings except when they come in ghostly form with half a skull then you should probably listen then you should listen to them also there's a part in this movie where they're flying the kite and gage says we got it it and i almost <laughs> threw up it was so fucking cute gage is I, adorable he's so oh my god when he said that i literally was like <gasps> I, I was so sweet i was like oh my god i'm gonna cry because i knew it was coming and i was like they didn't have to make this cute kid so fucking cute <laughs> Um, but yeah, guys, that's our Pet Cemetery, which is uh, which is on Netflix right now. If anybody wants to go ahead and rewatch that, if you haven't seen it in a while. Um, also, Mary Lambert also directed Pet Cemetery Two. If anybody was interested and didn't maybe know there was a Pet Cemetery Two, um, yeah, she directed that one as well. If you wanted to check out some more Pet Cemetery stuff, mm-hmm. but be warned, it is different. <laughs> yeah, it's different. It does is different. But <laughs> there is another story out there that is also about the pet cemetery. It's more mm-hmm. of like an additional story than <laughs> a continuation or anything like that. Um, but yes, if you guys want to talk to us about pet cemetery, then you can talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you prefer, you can always email us. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. Or if you want to talk a little bit more in depth, you can slippity slide into our Discord. That is where we hang out with all the homies and we just kind of talk to you guys throughout the week. If you would like to join that, then you can find the link for that in our social media bios. Also, is Monday. So Monday night... We're going to be hopping on Twitch and playing some spooky games and also probably talking about the Pet Cemetery remake 2019, something like that. Mm-hmm. But yes, the remake. So if you guys want to come and check us out on Twitch, come hang out, say what's up and listen to our thoughts on that and watch us play some video games. Once again, the link for that is in our social media bios. And last, 
But not least, we would very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts. You can do both. And the more ratings and reviews we have, the better. It recommends our particular podcast to more people who are interested in the genre. And you just like seeing what you guys are thinking. So if you have an Apple account and haven't done that, we would love for you to do it. And you can leave us a rating on Spotify if you're listening through there. Just head to our podcast and hit the stars right underneath our name and leave us a sassy little rating. We very much appreciate it. But thank you for coming to our resurrection. It went wrong. It does sometimes. It does sometimes. But we appreciate you guys hanging out. And we look forward to talking to you guys at the same time next Monday. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.